0: So, Joe's the lucky one. She gets to do some steps to get warm. And Joe's going to come up now and read for us from Philippians in chapter 2 and the first 18 verses. Thanks, Joe.
1: Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship to one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Neither he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient in death, even death on a the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ. I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoiced with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me.
0: So I'd like you to um, imagine for a moment that you're going into a dark room for the very first time. A room that you've never been into before, so you have no idea what is in it. The first thing that you're going to do, obviously, is turn the light switch on. As soon as that light switch is turned on, you can see everything that is in that room. You can see the furniture, you can see the colour of the carpet, you can see the shelves, you can see what's on the shelves everything about that room is suddenly illuminated to you for the first time. And even if you were to then switch the light off and close the door, you would still, in your mind, know what's in that room. That knowledge that you didn't have before, now you have, and you can't take it away from your mind. It's it's there. It's part of you. Now, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. And one of the effects of that is that he, he brings to sight to us things that we previously would not have been able to see. Uh, John says that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So Jesus brought light onto our paths that previously no one had been able to see clearly. And you can't unremember that. You can't unknow the things that Jesus has shown us. Now imagine in going back into this room, you go in, it's all dark, you turn the light on, and whoa! You see in there a masterpiece, say a Leonardo. Sat there in that room, when you turn the light, it's all there in its glory. So what you do is you come out, light off, close the door. Right, we need a seriously strong lock on that door big locks, so no one can break in. In fact, I, I think we should have it alarmed. Let's put a really top-of-the-range alarm system on that door so no one can break in. In fact, I think we should actually have security guards all around that room so no one can get in because that is priceless, that work, that work of art in there. And also the insurance. We need to make sure the insurance is, is, is knows that this is a priceless piece of art that's in that room. So that room is locked away with that priceless thing in it. The lives of everyone around are affected by that because they know that they can't go anywhere near, near that room. It's, it's barricaded, it's locked off, there's security, there's alarms. So their lives are, are kind of working around the fact that there's something in that room that's priceless, even though they don't actually know what it is. OK So it is, I think, with Western society. So our society is built on. Foundations of when Christianity was kind of ubiquitous across across Europe, really. Now that Christianity no longer dominates Western society, it's like the light switch has been turned off. Many people no longer know what's inside the room. But still, those Christian foundations still reach into our, into our daily lives. And I'd like to think about one of those foundations this morning something which affects all of us and the freedoms that we have, but I think the Western society has forgotten why we have the freedoms in the first place. I'd like to think about human rights. So the Western world has kind of persuaded itself that there is a universal truth, a fundamental fact that cannot be overturned, and that is with, that we have human rights. But to deny human rights is to deny something about our human existence. Now human rights are a wonderful thing. They allow us to worship um, in peace and quiet. They allow us to go about our daily lives and do the things that we want to do. They protect us from abuse and protect us from slavery and protect us from all sorts of different things. And most importantly, they protect the vulnerable from those, those terrible abuses. But what I'm interested in is where do human rights come from in the first place? And does the world around us know that? So you're going to have to just forget that you're in church for a moment. I think I'm actually going to take this off. (laughs) Forget you're in church for a moment and just place yourself on this rock which weighs... Six with 24 noughts after it kilograms. It's hurtling around this star, one of billions in our galaxy. Our galaxy, one of about two trillion in the universe. And the only thing that makes this rock any different from any other rocks is that it happens to have um, life on it. Through through the millennia, this this rock has had all sorts of different lives on it. Um, all sorts of living organisms: swimming, crawling, flying, sitting there doing nothing. All sorts of endless forms, most beautiful. Algae, trilobites, triceratops, rhinoceros, humans, COVID viruses, um, blobfish, spiny lump suckers. That's another type of fish. Tasselled that's a type of shark the little fungi which grow between your toes, chimpanzees, chickens, and humans. Yes, we said humans. And suddenly the humans put their hands up and say, excuse me, we have fundamental rights. What? Where does that come from? Why, why do trilobites not have fundamental rights? Why, why is anyone speaking up for the? Uh, for the... Um, Satanic leaf gecko for its rights. Why humans particularly have these rights, unimpeachable rights? It makes no sense from nature. It bears no relation to anything else around. So in this story, what you find actually is that human rights are nothing more than a belief system. You can believe in it, you can believe in human rights, and, and we're all better off if you do... But you can also not believe in human rights, and there's nothing in nature to say otherwise in the material universe. So it's like an illusion, if you like. So where did they actually come from? How did we arrive in this place? We're going to trace back in time a little bit. And our first stop is the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights in 1948. It's no surprise that in 1948, humanity was looking at itself and saying, we need to think about human rights, because for the previous uh, several years, Nazi Nazi Germany had basically tried to denigrate anyone who wasn't an Aryan, who wasn't part of their race, obviously, um, most notably the Jews, but also other people who didn't fit into their picture. And so in 1948, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights tried to address that. I want to pick out a few important things for you to think about when you think about where do human rights come from? This is from the prologue. It talks about the recognition of inherent dignity. Inherent meaning it's it's just there, you can't argue with it, it's just part of humanity, that there's this kind of dignity. And of equal and inalienable rights. Inalienable rights is highlighted in green, because I want you to remember that phrase of all members of the human family. Well, where does this family come from? Why is it a human family? And why is that any more important than a chimpanzee family? Or anything else, what's, what's this all about? It's the foundation of freedom, justice, and peace in the world. The peoples of the United Nations have in the charter reaffirmed their faith, ah, so it's the belief system, in fundamental human rights, in the dignity and worth of the human person, and the equal rights of men and women. So it's this thing which doesn't actually totally make sense. On the one hand, it's talking about things which are inherent, uh, inalienable. Does anyone know what inalienable means? Anyone gonna give me a definition of inalienable? Does it mean you're not like a, from Mars? It's a mumble behind mass, but. Or anyone on Zoom, can you tell us what inalienable means? can't be taken away. No matter how hard you try, you cannot take these away. Article 1 says all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. Well, why are humans born free in dignity and rights any more than uh, the screaming hairy armadillo? They're endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. There's that family relationship again. But no other creature on the, in, on the earth has ever lived with a brotherhood, a universal brotherhood. Even the social in, insects, which are probably the closest you could get, like ants, they go to war with each other um, from time to time. And it's pretty brutal, apparently. So it, it's, there's something missing as to the reasoning behind all this. Let's go back a little bit further to the time of the French Revolution. The French Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen in 1789. Article 1. Human beings are born and remain free and equal in rights. So again, it's this, this kind of fundamental thing which is, we're born with, apparently. But there's no reason why we should be born with that. Article 4. Liberty consists of doing anything which does not harm others... That's the exercise of natural rights. As I've tried to demonstrate, there's nothing natural about dignity, human rights. There's nothing natural about it. There's nothing in the natural world that can justify them. They must have come from somewhere else because it sure hasn't come from our biology. But there they are in that human rights declaration after the French Revolution. Now let's just go back a few more years, not very many at all, and suddenly, it becomes clear what's happened. The U.S. Declaration of Independence, 1776. We hold these truths to be self-evident, so it's again saying that it's, it's something that is just, you just have to accept it's there, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's where human rights come from. That's the only reason they make sense. That's the only reason that we're any different from sparkle muffins, which is a type of spider. That's the only reason. And whilst, and it's almost like, I know this is a bit simplistic, but it's like in between the American Declaration and the French one, it's only about Seven, eight years, someone switched the light off, closed the door, and left the room. And the world forgot what was in the room in the first place, by my analogy. The language is the same, like unalienable rights. But after this point, the reason has disappeared. And we're left with the foundations in place, but not knowing what they are. This is a nice one. This one goes back even further. There's a German peasants' war uh, in the 16th century. I'm sure Sam covers it all the time in class. <laughs> but at the end of this war, they came up with, with one of the kind of prototype declarations of human rights. And you're gonna love the first one. Okay. Nerve nerve-wracking first one when you're standing on the platform. Every town and village should be entitled to elect and dismiss its preacher if he misbehaves. The preacher shall preach the gospel simply, straight and clear, without any human additions, for it is written that we can only attain God. Through true faith. (laughs) That's number one priority. Number one human right is we want the Word of God in purity and truth. Because that's where everything else comes from. Point three until now, it has been practiced that we have been treated like serfs, which is deplorable since Christ redeemed all of us with his precious blood, both the shepherd and the nobleman, with no exceptions. Accordingly, we hereby declare that we are free and we want to remain free. Point four, it is unbrotherly and not in accordance with the word of God that the poor man is not entitled to hunt game or fowl or to fish, since when God, God our Lord created man, he gave him power over all the beasts that bears the air. I can't read the last line. You see the difference between the German peasants and where we are now. The German peasants knew exactly where their rights stood and why they stood. Now, we know we've got the rights, but we've completely forgotten where they came from. Professor Max Stackhouse of Princeton University put it this way, intellectual honesty demands recognition of the fact that what passes as secular Western principles of basic human rights develop nowhere else than out of the key strands of biblically rooted religions. So what is it about God that makes all this possible, all this which is so fundamental to the lives that we live now? 22 little words, page 2 of your Bible. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I think those words are the most important words ever written for our day-to-day existence, for our day-to-day lives. Without these, there are no human rights. They affect how we see ourselves, how we see others, our community, how we see nations. I think our life's work is to grow an appreciation of this in us and in other people. That's our life's work, to grow in that image. See, if I try and uh, cheat Lily out of some money, two things have happened. First of all, I haven't lived up to my image of God that's in me. If I try and cheat Lily out of some money, I am not living up to that image. In religious terms, that's what we call sin. But fundamentally, I'm falling short of of my purpose. And number two, I'm not treating Lily like she has been made in the image of God. In trying to cheat her out of some money, I am, I am abusing that, that fact that Lily herself is made in the image of God. That's what we call morality. Sin, morality, they all relate to the fact that each one of us is in the image of God. And you may well say, well, well, people have always have rights, haven't they? Well, yes, if you're on the in-group people have always held the rights of the in group quite highly but the out group are treated like animals just look at the difference in the time when paul was writing his words between what it was like to be a roman citizen pretty well protected and a slave bought sold treated abused killed and there was no if you killed a slave there was no punishment because it was a slave it was property. Only through these words, only when these words are fully appreciated and taken to heart, do we see the universal human rights that we value so much. That is enormous. That is so enormous that I'm going to stop talking for about a minute. And I'm going to leave those words on there for you to contemplate them, meditate on them, pray about them. What it's saying is that every child born on this planet carries with it in some way the image of God. That is enormous. one of the ways God teaches us is through paradoxes, things which seem opposite we had one in the reading that Joe said um, Paul says work out your salvation with trembling fear for it is God who works in you Okay. so on the one hand you're working it out on the other hand God is working it out in you and because they seem opposite but actually they tell us um, two sides of of something really important so there's, there's also a paradox about this when the wise man was trying to Tease out his views on the, the meaning of life. He said this, I said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that, one, like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over the animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust and to dust. All return. So there's the paradox. And it's true, isn't it? When the time comes, my body will decay and rot in exactly the same way as Pippin and Nova, my two dogs. When you look at the remains, there'll be no difference between mine and theirs. There's a great truth in what the wise man is saying here. We're all part of nature's great recycling program, and there's nothing we can do uh, to avoid that. But in those two... Um, opposites and the tension between them we see the day-to-day choice we have to make and that's where the challenge is do you want to live as someone in God's image and recognizing God's image in everyone you meet or do you want to live an animal-like existence instinctive behavior pleasing yourself in the case of Pippin and Nova sleeping fighting eating winging and pooing that's about it really What's your choice? How are you going to live your life? Are you going to honor the higher purpose that God has given you by making you his image? I'm going to sing a song now, which I would never normally choose because it goes far too high. But I'm not singing this down the microphone. um, But the words are so perfect for what we're thinking about. It starts off by saying, who am I, that the Lord of all the earth, would care to know my name? Okay? It's the, the power of God's love that we are in his image. But then it says, I'm a flower quickly fading, here's day and gone tomorrow. So there's that tension between those two things. One thing I also don't like about this song, it's a little bit all about me. It's about who am I, who am I, who am I? So I've changed some words partway through to say who are we to try and expand our minds to each other and beyond here it messes up some of the rhymes so this could get a bit messy but it's for a point thank you but in pouring out himself and giving up all of his rights Jesus showed that he is the image of the invisible God therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that on the, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Given everything that we've thought about this morning, I think we have a big responsibility. Because not only do we value human rights, but more importantly, we know where they come from. We understand That basis, that foundation, only has meaning when we recognize that we are all made in God's image. So with that responsibility, I do believe that we should be vocal. When we see abuses of human rights, we should say, this is wrong. We should raise our voice. Both on the big stuff on a global scale and on the small day-to-day stuff. On, On the big side of things, you might think about organizations like this <clears throat> open doors are a charity that um work to relieve uh, relieve, uh christians from persecution uh, where their human rights have been taken taken away but it's really important not not to narrow your, your view on this every time we narrow our view we're making a mistake and we're betraying that verse those 22 words we're all made in god's image it's not just about our people It's even more about other people, too. And so uh, an example of Open Door's work is they highlighted the abuse of Christians at the hands of Islamic State. But they also pointed out that the Yazidi Muslims were treated even worse by Islamic State. Human rights abuse is human rights abuse, whoever it happens to. All children are born in God's image. And if we expand and open our minds, that's quite incredible. And obviously, Amnesty International work to highlight human rights abuses too. What about the small stuff in your day-to-day life? When you see someone being mistreated, being bullied, being treated like they're not worth as much as someone else, when they're not being valued, there's not a positive value being imparted on, on them as a child of God. Then we should speak up about that too, because that's just as important as the stuff which makes news headlines. And perhaps if we all did the small stuff better, then there'd be less headlines about the big stuff. We started off with an analogy about the darkened room with the treasure in it. And society has largely closed the door, locked the door on the origin of its foundation beliefs of human rights. But the treasure doesn't stay locked in the room. And That's a clever bit. The treasure is carried by each one of us. It cannot be hid behind an alarm system or security guards. We take it away with us wherever we go. So we read in that passage in Philippians, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then we will carry that light that Jesus shone onto the world and that the world cannot shake its knowledge of however much it tries.